The Origins Of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and the overall creativity and innovation of mankind. Join us, Jesse and Olivia, as we delve into the why behind everyday origins. I'm Jesse, And I'm Olivia. And today we have our third and final suite uh, of holiday yeah i'd say holiday or holiday specials um where since our topic is origins it's always so fun to look at what are some of the things we do related to holidays and traditions and where do those come from why do we do them um and so today's duo uh is um focusing on treats and sweets yeah holiday treats yeah and actually my husband ben just was driving we were driving somewhere in the car and he was just like (laughs) uh gingerbread and candy canes we were like yes that's perfect so good let's do that so that's what we're gonna cover today yeah it's crazy how some things just scream holiday right like you don't eat gingerbread in like i mean february i'm not like craving a gingerbread man in july or or a candy cane like we have peppermints all year round but candy canes the flavor you know the shape you know funny you mentioned peppermint the origin of candy cane is very short (laughs) So you oh. guys are about to get a bonus of oh wow peppermint. Um, I'm just gonna launch right into uh, candy Go canes, for it. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was t- telling Jesse this earlier, but I somehow always get the controversy type people. <laughs> I, I had a controversy in our email episode um, yeah. with the inventors of email, and then I had a controversy in the um, restaurant. Our yeah, restaurant. Yeah, where yeah. one girl, one woman was like, "You guys are all wrong," and now I've got a controversy <laughs> here. Um, and I, I hate to do this one because there are a lot of Amazon cute candy cane gifts that have the wrong origin on them, but that's okay. You guys can think. Okay, what do you mean? So candy. Some people think the candy canes are actually J's for Jesus. Oh, okay. And the, yeah, the blood th- is yeah. uh, the blood. The red, <laughs> red is, spoiler, the red is the blood of Christ and the white is the purity of the season. Ah, that has been hmm. just proven incorrect countless times. Okay. Snopes, National Geographic, NPR, everybody's been like, sorry, that's, that's, not the that's just not accurate. Um, it comes just from regular candy. Yeah. So we'll kind of start. So also there is no firm concrete origin of candy canes. It's one of those weird mythological things where they just sort of started doing it and okay. no one can trace it back. When it just kind of caught on. Yeah, a it little... caught on. Um, it kind of came from candy hmm. sticks. You yeah. know, just like sticks of candy. Which, yeah, Those have seen... been around yeah. forever and ever, and I'll touch on that. Um, but the actual curbing of it, there's a really fun ancient... Hmm. Ancient. <laughs> I love ancient stuff, guys. Um, okay, in 1670, it's kind of old. Um, yeah, that's old. <laughs> real old. So in 1670, here's the myth. Now, this hasn't been 100% proven, but it has been told in legend over and over and over again in um, all sorts of books. Yeah, and um, our podcast is also about myths. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. Crazy myths, ancient legends. Yep, yep. <laughs> so the story says that a choir master in 1670, he was real annoyed by all the kids sitting and trying to listen to the story of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he, they were, they were, they were a little bit. They were being antsy. children, yeah, yeah. antsy mm-hmm. and, and yeah. yapping, and um, so he got some sticks some some candy like and they were softer okay. not not actual sticks i'm sorry actual <laughs> some candy sticks here kids have some yeah. sticks to chew on <laughs> even louder no he found some <laughs> old old candy sticks and shaped them they were they were kind of a they weren't as hard yet so he shaped them into a, a shepherd's 
Oh, right. Yeah. Cane. Like a, like a shepherd cane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. gave them to the kids and they would sit there and then they would be more attentive um, during the lecture. The, the Like they the could sermons. suck on the candy. Yeah. While they they were. could mm-hmm. suck on the candy. So that's, that's very that is, logical. Yeah. Very logical. Makes sense. Could have happened. But there's not really any like true record of that. But yeah. I did read the story in different forms over and over and over again. So it was kind of like, wow, that's a really cool prevalent myth and it makes sense. Um, but incorrect uh, or not not 100% proven so it's actually somewhere around the 1900s that the red stripes were added to the candy canes and they were flavored with peppermint or wintergreen um the first reference to an actual candy cane was in 1866 um, and that was in Balu's monthly magazine and I have a quote Tom stared at him with a puzzled smile then pointing to some mammoth candy canes which were displayed in a shop window across the street he said insinuatingly my little dear just take me to the young lady and you shall have those and enough candy to make you sick for a month so definitely associated that's what with, the reference in the, uh-huh, in the that is the was, very okay. first time candy cane has been in print that we know of oh and that was 1866 then there's also this great illustration that i popped up on the website of this like it's like one of those old timey um drawings and this it's this kid looking into the window and there's like this giant candy cane uh-huh. and the candy cane's like daring the kid to like, and it's a cane it. at this point yeah it's the like, actual red candy cane but mm-hmm. it was it was giant it wasn't like small size yet um so that is oh, kind of yeah the size yeah so that's mm. the first time that candy canes had actually been mentioned but um, candy canes, it's also been um, hinted at that whenever the Christmas tree was created in the 17th century, the candy canes followed suit somehow. Like the candy like the candy sticks just sort of followed the, the season. Kind of meaning hmm. that like when it was the Christmas season, you kind of saved up your money a little bit for your kids. And maybe bought them a sweet or yeah, something maybe like bought that. them the sugar and sweets and candy, which makes more sense. It's the same thing with Halloween. You associate candy, different types of candy with yeah, different parts true. of the season. So you could afford to buy it. So now you could afford to put candy canes on your tree, actually. Um, And especially if there's association with those colors mm -hmm. for Christmas. And also, I mean, they hang really well on trees. I don't know if people were putting putting them on trees, but maybe we'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they they, they were. They were putting all sorts of things on trees at that point because they were decorating them. Including candles. Um, (laughs) Yes. Which this is going to come out after. It will come out after. So you've heard our candles episode. Or if you haven't, go back (laughs) and find out out why we put Candles. candles on trees on the tree um so so not really an origin with christianity um it doesn't have anything to do with somebody saying this is a j um however it does have a little bit of an origin um with religion in 1919 um bob mccormick was making the candy canes for local use in albany georgia what up georgia? oh albany georgia yep. hey um and by the middle of the century his company um had become the world's leading candy cane producer. However, they were they, they hadn't perfected the the making of the shape yet in the in the industry. So like they had they could do the stick, they couldn't do the the curve. Um so it wasn't until his brother-in-law, a Catholic priest, that's the only part of the religion in this. So Catholic priest named Gregory Harding Keller, he came up with a solution. He invented the Keller machine that automated the process of shaping it and there's a really cool patent you can look up whoa yeah let me see let me scroll um yeah there's a really awesome patent i don't think i saved it it's on the website though um that you can look up for the actual keller machine that curves candy canes it's still a thing and, and people so i was gonna say it's yeah, still it's the been machine adapted they over use? time oh, that's really cool yeah it is neat so that's like the only touch of religion and I, oh he happened to be a catholic priest who then. knew that you needed to invent a machine though that would yeah. perfectly curve your candy cane so that you could make it <laughs> yeah 
yeah. shaped correctly. Um, I also put up a video of, of how to make a, a candy cane by hand because some local shops still do that. And it's incredibly fascinating. And also the video is like 10 minutes long and that includes a time lapse. Oh. It, it's not an easy process because it's like yeah, this. No, it's and like, especially getting the, the, mm-hmm. the stripe. Yeah, the stripe <laughs> and like twisting it in there and then the curve and then the perfect amount of like stretchiness, you know, because you have to boil it first uh-huh. to make it the liquid candy. Um, yeah, so that that's really it so i was like i can't stop there like i can't just let the candy (laughs) my episode be 10 minutes and yours be so i actually decided to dig into why peppermint why why yeah i was actually gonna ask you Mm -hmm. um when why was that yeah the flavor peppermint has been around a long time which is why i was thinking my origin might be longer than yours um so our boy polini polini the elder is back in the house um yeah pliny has a whole chapter on mint um he says this was good for gastrointestinal ailments liver disease ulcers hiccups and snake bite he, <laughs> you know also yep. snake bite he also adds that mint juice is good for the voice when a person is about to engage in a contest of eloquence I don't know. They existed, I guess. I would love to see what a contest of eloquence was about, but... Maybe just an early debate. I'm about <laughs> Maybe, to debate yeah. this person. So those guys had real great breath because they would chew on mint first. Um, and then he also... Oh, that is true. If you're doing any kind of oratory, you know, yeah. you want to make sure your breath isn't... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, he mentions that it's also nice in sauces. <laughs> ah. Thanks, buddy. So even he had something to say about it. Um, so quick little thing on peppermint. It's an aromatic perennial plant. And I found this really... I just I included this because we're not a how stuff works and we're not really getting into that but i couldn't not um it grows to a height of three feet um you have to harvest it when the oil content is highest and it's like always in the morning before like the the sun reduces the oil content which makes sense like the the sun dries out the oil every morning um real finicky and the u.s is a huge exporter of of peppermint it's considered an invasive species actually so but peppermint is different than mint right no they're the same thing oh yeah peppermint is like it's like the form like there's different types of variations of the plant Sorry. okay it's a yeah. variation of mint though. yes mm-hmm. yep okay because peppermint and mint i mean it's the same no i think that they taste different like if you drink a mint mojito mm. it doesn't taste the same as a peppermint thing you're right mint is actually the, the referring to the plant leaf peppermint is the oil that comes from uh, that oh cool yes. yeah that's the um hey side um, origin side origin about that um okay so also the herb has been used as a remedy for indigestion since ancient egyptian times got my ancient in there wow. um they found the peppermint leaves well not the actual peppermint leaves but they found like the shapings or whatever yeah on, like, a slab or something so they know it was for um well i guess they, indi- they like indigestion don't know yeah but i guess they could have found writings but it was dating back to 100 bc so that's uh, not a hundred. Oh my god, a thousand, a thousand BC. That's that's really old for peppermint. So yeah. I find that really cool. That whenever I drink my cocktail with mint, that I'm relating to the ancient Egyptians. <laughs> I like to imagine they would be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ancient Greeks and Romans also valued it as a stomach soother. So peppermint all around has been a soother and a like nice taste for people for just eons, basically. Well, you, you know that's that's our connection then, right? Why you have gingerbread? G- no, ginger is ginger has been a stomach. Oh ailment. my gosh, yeah. you're right. Yeah, they both are. I forgot gingerbread mm-hmm. was ginger. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Look at Similar that. We just tones. connected our treats mm-hmm. back to Egypt. I will oh. get into these. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> stomach benefits of ginger as well. Oh, um, so 
another fun fact. Um, I love Greek mythology. I've talked about it in multiple of our podcasts. Yeah. Um, most specifically the uh, dragons and unicorns. But there is a huge myth about mint in Greek mythology that I just had to read you because this is like my thing. Oh, I don't know um, anything about it either. Yeah. So Greek mythology, if you guys don't know, is Greek. They made up a bunch of gods. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? They made up a bunch of gods to explain natural phenomena. Right. And they're all beautiful stories and usually allegories and tales. So this one, Minthi, name of a, a uh-huh. nymph. She's a river nymph and she's chilling in the Cocytus River. And that's one of the five rivers of Hades. And if you don't know the story about Hades, he is married to Persephone, who is the spring goddess. Long story. So Hades and Persephone. <laughs> that's a whole thing. Okay. Um, Hades and Persephone, they're married. Um, but Hades was chilling and driving his little chariot and he sees Minthi the nymph. He's like, oh, snap. That's a lady right there. So he goes and he wants to seduce her. But Persephone catches him and she's like, oh, I'm so angry. So Persephone turns Minthi into a lowly plant that people would walk upon. Oh. But Hades felt so bad for her that he turned her smell into a sweet smell so that whenever people stomped on her, they would smell the sweetness of what mint they used to be. So that is how they explain why mint plants came to be. And were pleasant. Yes, and why they were nice. So um, the Greek gods cheated on each other all the time. So that's a fun story there. Um, So okay, going back to just kind of peppermint though. Um, So ancient Egypt, Greeks, Romans, everybody knows about it. And then in 18th century, it just kind of continued. It became popular for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness, respiratory infections. It was listed in London Pharmacopoeia in 1721. Um, And then it was in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia as a remedy for intestinal colic, gas, colds, morning sickness, and just all around pain. And in American history, um, when people thought that you could drink castor oil to help things, they used to put it on top of like a mint drink so you would chug it and you would drink the casserole first and then kind of mask follow the, it with yeah, the mint something yes. More pleasant. yes hmm. um so for those of you who are still craving more mint stuff there's actually a guy named dr ephraim k smith which is an amazing first name ephraim e-p-h-r-a-i-m Ef- i just love ephraim? that oh is it ephraim unless there's a different that? way to say it oh i don't uh-huh. know i've never heard ephraim? it out loud i just thought that was a really cool name if your name is this Ephraim. name please or Ephraim. Ephraim. um okay so he <laughs> i mean i've heard it the name have you heard Ephraim? 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 yeah mm-hmm. oh see if i had heard that i would have thought it was E-P-H-R-O-M. i think p-h-r-o-m it has the a-i-m in it yeah i mean yeah but that i, I don't know we they, pronounce there things could be people that say really weird different ways yeah you're yeah. right we'll look it up um so he this dude i'm gonna call him dr smith instead in the mid 1990s he was um he stumbled upon the remains of an old peppermint like like factory in michigan when he was photographing old barns just totally unrelated wait he was a doctor yeah photographing yeah he was a history professor okay history doctor of history uh professor oh cool um he found it and then fell in love with mint (laughs) so he set on a quest to document peppermint oh so there's actually a documentary you can watch I think it's just called the. Hold on, let me see what it's called. 
Yeah, American Mint. <laughs> There's a documentary you can download called American oh, that's Mint. That's super cool. Um, yeah, he just like suddenly fell in love with it, and he actually um, got the uh, help of his wife Donna, and they created a four-part documentary film where you can follow the history of mint across America. Whoa. Um, yeah, so he started researching modern-day mint growers in Michigan, Washington, Oregon, um, and it just sort of grew and grew and grew. But that's also to show like there's peppermint is just huge i mean yeah yeah it's it's something that has been used since ancient egypt and we put it in everything and it's it's delightful and refreshing and, it is refreshing and nice. yeah um, i really like peppermint tea yeah me too mm-hmm. peppermint tea i love peppermint everything i love peppermint in my cocktail oh, i love mint in my cocktails mm. yeah i'm a huge fan um i'm not a big fan of the mint flavor in coffee like this time of year people hmm. try to put it in coffee a lot and i don't like it i don't like the mo i don't like it with mocha i don't oh, like, I like it with it. chocolate i don't like it with coffee don't but but generally but I yeah. like peppermint and other things and yeah and i regular. like it i like candy canes too yeah i have a friend that doesn't like it at all my friend savannah it's that's weird in uh seattle she's just she's just not a mint she doesn't really do gum or, or any sort of mint drinks oh kind of yeah watches out for it but i don't think that's like cilantro or like half the people have that like cilantro thing wrong where with it tastes them. yeah it tastes weird to them yeah you're all aliens um, it's not that it's wrong we could be wrong <laughs> cilantro lovers yeah could also be you're wrong. right for all we know it could be us that have the weird thing in it yeah. um so some other fun tidbits about peppermint in 1877 that is actually when colgate toothpaste added oh, peppermint shoot, flavoring. toothpaste yeah 1877 so kind of old but kind of not i mean they were well but also i don't know that people were necessarily using toothpaste long before that yeah I, I didn't get into you know, that because it's not no 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 but that's but i just mean it's probably not that old mm-hmm. yeah yep and then the late 1800s um the late 1800s yeah it was 1887 sorry early 1900s <laughs> wrigley chewing gum um and peppermint hard candy they introduced lifesavers that's like early 1900s and they the were little, the little life peppermint flavor um yeah and then in the 1950s when we realized that this was like such a powerful thing um verticulum wit wilt nearly destroyed peppermint industry and prompted am todd company to develop wilt resistant variety so there's this thing called verticulum wilt and it was like a, a fungus or like a, a disease that went through oh, all the, the plants and so they the had to 50s you said? yeah so they had okay. to create a wilt resistant variety um in the united states i thought you meant like they would get wilted Oh, yeah, well, like I mean, I guess it could be something that makes them wilt. That could be why they named it that, right? Right. That's true. So that is, I hate to disappoint everybody by candy, not giving a more firm candy cane origin. So you said we didn't really know, or 1866 was when they published that thing that had the candy cane in the window. Yeah, you were great with dates. It's I would not have remembered that. Really yeah. just uh, um, someone started doing it and it caught on, right? Yeah, I think pretty that, that's much all. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how Santa came about. I don't know if you guys all know that, but I mean, there was a ritual of Santa, but the Santa as we know it was created by, do you know this? No. You don't know this? Oh, um, I should have a marketing a company? More. Yeah, but what what specific giant oh, marketing? Oh, Coca-Cola. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The one, the way we know it today. Yes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Santa used to wear I didn't know that. anything he wanted yeah. until Coke was like, we're going to do our Santa and he's going to have a red coat and the white white fluff beard. around the, yeah they yeah. coined that and that's it's like you're saying with things being sticky it's just all about um what people perceive as joyful and what they want around their season so candy canes the actual sticks i tried to look up the history of that as well but it's like impossible to to go back like i typed in like sugar stick i was gonna say history. i think it's one of the earliest type forms of candy right yes it's just like super oh, it's easy so shape to make and you yeah. just basically have sugar and water I yeah think. hype up your kids yeah that's yeah. exactly what it is so um it'd be coming into candy canes but it is not like everywhere i read it they totally debunked 
uh, Christianity. It's not a J okay. for Jesus. So someone just wanted to connect them. I mean, it's nice, I guess, because I, I was on Amazon and I saw a lot of little like bookmarks that had like the history of candy cane and it was like oh. J for Jesus. And I mean, Is that's that a product that people are buying. Yes. Candy all, cane bookmarks. Yeah. People buy all kind of stuff. That's so weird. Um, but yeah, it was one of those probably a huge marketing thing. And it was the kid peeking in the window at the candy cane and it was yeah. referenced and then it just sort of snowballed from there. And yeah. now here we are. And I love candy canes. I stick them in my tree. And then at the end of the end of the season, when I'm done with them, I crush them up and put them in peppermint bark to eat Ooh. throughout the new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun fact with your candy canes, because there's no way you're going to eat all 50 of them that come in that pack. Oh, they only put you like 12 in a pack. Well, I'd buy it. Not that well, okay, because you know you're gonna make peppermint bark. Yes, I get a hammer. You plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, I put them in a, um, a, a Ziploc bag. You get your hammer. You break them up. You melt your chocolate. I do add peppermint oil a little bit to the chocolate because it makes mm. it even better. Um, and then I make peppermint bark. Everybody loves me for that. So yeah. that is a fun fact about that. So that, that's history of candy canes and also some bonus um, content about peppermint. And go watch that four-part documentary. Wow, that's so cool. Just real interested. Yeah, American Mint. Yeah, I might watch the first one. I mean, I like just to find out learning about that stuff. And mm-hmm. since I love peppermint, I think I would enjoy it. It's interesting that he like happened upon that yeah. plant too, and then it kind of unleashed this. Uh, well interest in, in yeah that. and it's happening upon your destiny because he was just like a history professor and <laughs> all true. of a sudden he was like mint a is mint my life history work. professor like, well most history people i feel like are, they don't already know what they're waiting for like what's that really specific thing that's gonna yeah, make isn't that me crazy? a renowned expert like our ouija guy you know like what's yeah. what is the thing that no one has really um figured out yet and yeah. i'm gonna figure it out I don't yeah. feel like I have that urge right now. Like I think I'm content with my life. It's trajectory. I don't. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm waiting for me to find. My, yeah. my thing that I'm gonna. I do. feel that I can comment on this because I have two history degrees. There's a lot <laughs> of pressure on you finding a thing that is your niche that you can research really? and you can get good at it, and that you would you would add to the body of what's been written about said subject before. But it. I just like what I felt kind of overwhelmed with in the historical field is you're like, well, I mean, we've kind of already dis- discussed all of it. <laughs> yeah. So how I am mean, I supposed to add to the conversation? Yeah. It, and so that's a, that's a really overwhelming thing. I but there were no documentaries so, on There was no one covering mint. Apparently so. not. Mm-hmm. You just need to go photograph old barns and stumble into the next big, <laughs> big they, finding. Yeah. Barns are very cool. Yeah. Study barns. But then I'm not really a big fan of then you have to go into architecture and yeah. architectures. Yeah. I, I have a really bad memory attention span for remembering architecture types. Yeah. So what is that quote? It's like greatness is thrust upon wait. Man is not born great, greatness is thrust upon him or something like that. What does is that Yeah, that's like a famous quote. No, I mean ha- Oh, for that guy. Make it relevant. Oh, for that yeah. guy. Okay. Like, I was greatness wondering was, where you were going. He was just a history he professor. Just, and then they should make a documentary about his Greatness found him. They should. Yeah. Like, you or, know. Or, yeah, it should be an action film, actually. The, like, the uncut. Like, <laughs> it's behind the scenes of. No, it should be, like, the really cool. It can be Harrison Ford-esque. Like, Indiana yeah, Jones. Like, like Indiana he's, Jones. Mm-hmm. he's barn crawling. And all of a sudden, he's this <laughs> he mint. Finds the mint. This old mint thing. And he finds out that he's it's like, related hold to. Up. Yeah, and mint. then something explodes, and then it's like, wait, what? There's like an underground mint. I don't know. I'd watch it. Yeah. So if you're interested in watching, uh, <laughs> write it. It won't be nearly that interesting, um, but you can watch this mint documentary. <laughs> there will not be anything exploding that I know of. Oh, my gosh. I guess okay. I should watch it and then find out.
So, uh, so ginger. <laughs> I covered gingerbread. Yep. And speaking of historians with a niche, there are several different food experts or dessert experts. Um, there's one expert in here who's going to cover the Queen Elizabeth era, Elizabeth the first. We'll, we'll talk about gingerbread. Okay, why didn't any of your candy experts cover candy canes? A little yeah, bit more I mean, unless they did, and I just didn't look at that. Chap- I mean, I you know, looked all can, over the place. Oh, man, oh man. Okay, well, gingerbread. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. Gingerbread was really fun to research. The spruce is one of my sources, and they seem to be um, food history based. Mm. Uh, they say, "quote An early form of gingerbread can be traced to the ancient Greeks and Egyptians who <gasps> used it for ceremonial purposes." Do you think they used them together? And now here we are in this room talking we could about be, both of them. They could be very. I'm. I'm gonna hold on to ancient. that. I'm gonna well, cherish. I it. mean, especially if you think about any kind of herb for medicinal purposes. If we don't really know a lot about medicine, or even, I mean. Ancient people didn't even understand why they were sick. They might yeah. blame it on the Greek gods. You're right. They didn't know about germs or disease or, yeah, you know, so all those things that you, that you take for granted. And that's why myths existed. Right. Because we needed to explain what was happening. So um, anyway, so they would have um, some sort of early form of gingerbread. So according to Aranda Messingham Hart's book, Making Gingerbread Houses... <gasps> Um, the first known recipe for gingerbread came from Greece in 2400 BC. Greece? Greece. 2400? Yeah. So I said ancient Greeks. That is crazy. Uh-huh. And then that there were also Chinese recipes being developed during the 10th century. And they don't specify BC. So I assume that means AD. Yeah. So the, um, that would be the, the 1000s, right? Yes. 10th century would yes. be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> They, uh, so ginger itself is absolutely from Asia. That is not, um, disputed. challenged. Yeah. That's not disputed. Yeah. But they're, the term as a baked item is a little murkier to, to track down. So, or to pin down to a certain, um, time period. And that's because it could be, you know, there's loaf, there's cookie, there's, yeah, there's other sorts of things. And that, um, they, they do think that the 11th century or so, there were crusaders coming from um, the Mediterranean. That's when spices started to come to Europe from the yeah. east. And so at that time, medieval Europe, the gingerbread would have referred to something preserved with ginger or mm. preserved ginger itself. So this wasn't, and there's like, you can, you know, there's a there's a French word for it and there's a Greek word for it. Um, but basically it was favored as a spice for its ability to mask the taste of preserved meats so if you think about ginger it's it's very pungent right so i don't like it at all very good at masking flavors ew um yeah do you like gingerbread that's the thing i i love ginger ale and i love gingerbread i don't like straight up ginger and i don't like it too heavy it's like i like it slightly blended in with things Uh uh-huh what about in asian dishes are you no, fan of it? Nope. Yeah, I don't just like because that's the true ginger flavor. Yeah, I do not like enjoy the true ginger. I prefer the caramelized gro- the gingerbread flavor. Yeah, the gingerbread. Yeah, and the allspice. Yes, and whatever the those things do to it. But so that yeah. concept grosses me out that they yeah. ate ginger. Well, too. what's grosser is well, the meats they were trying to eat at the time. But I mean, they have to 
they have to eat so yeah, they're, they're covering a lot of this the taste with um ginger and so that's what it would have been referring so gingerbread the term has kind of evolved over time hmm. so we have also as i mentioned relates back to your stuff we have used ginger for its ability to aid in stomach ailments uh, as a holistic disease treatment from the 16th century um writer john barrett wrote of gingerbread as quote a kind of cake or paste made to comfort the stomach Ew. end quote and he spelled stomach s-t-o-m-a-c-k-e oh really so, <laughs> okay which proves that yeah. it's an old yes. writer okay <laughs> um but yeah so it's it's definitely um if you ever had and you maybe not don't even like this if you don't like the flavor of ginger but there is a home remedy you can make for colds or the flu where it's the apple cider vinegar and the cinnamon sticks yep. and the cayenne pepper and the ginger and you boil it all together and you drink it. Um, and that is super heavy on the ginger. And it's to me, it's like liquid nectar. It's so good if I feel sick, oh, man. Um, but it's very intense. And so I, I liken it to those kinds of home remedies where they're yeah. using it. Oh, I've had one. To settle I, your stomach. When I had the flu, my sweet boyfriend, Adrian, went out and got me a bunch of stuff and made he made me a smoothie with heavy ginger and i Ooh. hated it but oh. i but i think it did help i mean I, yeah i don't know i felt more soothed yeah whether it, it was because he was there or not but I don't know. maybe both but also when i was you know when you're a kid and you're sick you can get you drink a little bit of ginger mm-hmm. ale and or yeah know, and it's yeah. kind of got that spicy and it will settle your stomach mm-hmm. also um we so we are in atlanta and we have arden's garden and arden yes is um arden's garden is a juice store um and they you if you go to the actual store you can add like a shot of ginger and it's just pure ginger and i love to add the ginger to my juice um or get their hot shot which is made with ginger oh so good (laughs) it just adds good flavor to any juice so that is ginger as a um kind of stomach ailment um so that is overall ancient gingerbread right is sort Mm -hmm. of getting its Roots from Asia, um, but it's not anything like what we know of today. So where did that come from, right? The term was first applied to desserts, as we know today, in the 15th century in Europe. Um, Broadly used to describe the combining of ginger, honey, treacle, or molasses. There we go. Treacle tart. Yeah. That's when you get the traditional flavor that we can think of today. Um, Food writer Tori Avery says, by the late Middle Ages, Europeans had their own version of gingerbread. The hard cookies, sometimes gilded with gold uh, um, um, flakes flakes that they would decorate with, shaped like animals, were a staple at medieval fairs in England, France, Holland, and Germany. Um, so those those mm-hmm. are the four countries where they're th- where gingerbread is considered the most prevalent. Although it did spread to North America, Canada, and the U.S. because of immigrants from those countries, from hmm. Germany, yeah. France, Holland, and England. Um, so Holland being the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's really cool because as spices became more available um, to people, gingerbread caught on, and regular people were making forms of it. Um, and then the early recipes involved uh, contained ground almonds, stale breadcrumbs, rose water, sugar, and ginger. So the stale breadcrumbs being a thing that people had around, so it was easy to take this and it would make a sort of paste. Yeah. So if you take your ingredients, yeah. make, make a paste, and then they would press them into wooden molds. Huh. So the molds, again, could be shaped, like I mentioned, oh, into yeah. animals or... Um, they had they were some that were Star. birds okay. there were some that were 
um, flowers. So it started to become a thing where you could kind of, you know, make these molds and you could have these weird yeah. shaped like animal crackers. cookie things. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they eventually became shaped into the likenesses of maybe a king or a queen or a religious symbol and decorated with, I put here, gold paint or flat white yeah, icing. They, so maybe it's the, edible, the paint. Yeah, yeah. They, they would. Yeah. Um, so they're becoming kind of a thing um, so much so that they actually started to become there in those four countries. They would have gingerbread fairs. So they were having these, not even necessarily associated with Christmas time yet, but just a festival and you would maybe have these cookies that were pressed into molds and it could be whether it was the springtime season, they might have be flowers or if it was the fall season, they might be animals. Um, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. There. So they were literally called gingerbread fairs. And then... <laughs> The gingerbread man, though. Oh, right. right. So I've sort of mentioned that maybe they would make him into a likeness of a king or a queen. They were a popular thing, and they were even sometimes kind of played into, like, news of the day. You know, you might even just make a cookie based on something that was happening in the quote-unquote news of the time, right? Um, But it was really Queen Elizabeth I who is credited with the gingerbread man. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Um, And it was because she was known for these elaborate dinners at the the royal court. She would have these fancy dinners and she had obviously people on staff who would make edible, beautiful things that were shaped like inanimate objects. So she had like a marzipan that might be shaped to a castle or a bird or a type of fruit. And they were edible. And so it was really fun. And she had this idea to take the very popular gingerbread and to make them into cookies that resembled visiting dignitaries. And they were apparently very much resembling the actual people. What? So like, here, let's get this portrait of this dude and we're going to make, you know, Elizabeth over there, like, hey, make it look just like this visiting dude who's going to see me. Can you imagine? And it caught on. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine showing up to a party and then your face is like... Is on, well, now they could like print it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Creepy yeah. children's birthday yeah. cakes or like Ugh. the pictures on the cake. <laughs> um, but yeah, but. so this so this became a thing then and it was, and it was already popular in Europe and so then obviously the shape caught on. Um, yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I have a great idea for a new reality cooking show. Go. It should be called Banquets, and you should have to compete to throw the best banquet as if you were in the Victorian age. Ooh, that would be really fun. Right? Because then you, you have, have to, to do exactly what you were saying. like Shape all to, the marzipan. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you can only use ingredients that they had back then. Right. And you had to do the whole cookie thing. I think it would, it would, like, it would be like on the History Channel, but also could be on the Cooking Channel. I think that would be really fun. I would right. watch that. I'm going to pitch it in make a million dollars could definitely do that yep so um i will note that actually this plays into what you just said for your idea that by the 16th century they did have flour replace breadcrumbs and they added eggs and sweeteners and so that then created more of the actual flavor that we think of today so bread even though there's the molasses you might yeah you're gonna have a lighter tastier cookie loaf or man (laughs) created from that um, once you add flour. Also, notably, there is a Shakespeare line from Love's Labor's Lost, which is a play Ooh. where he does say, um, one of the characters, uh, and I had but one penny in the world, thou shalt have it to buy gingerbread. Aww. So it kept coming up because I guess people really love to quote Shakespeare. <laughs> um, but so there is a mention uh, in, in Shakespeare. 
Um, so during the same period, though, the Queen Elizabeth I, um, there were also medicine, folk medicine people. Um, and I feel like this, you guys probably may, might even know where this is going. Um, if you were a young woman and you were possibly looking to find a husband, you might whip up a gingerbread man and either gift it to the man with the hopes that he might eat it and fall in love with you, or um, this is a superstition for sure. Like, I've never know, heard this, this folk so medicine, but or you could eat the cookie. Um, you would eat your quote gingerbread husband. What? In the hopes that it might improve your chances of getting the real thing. Are you kidding? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's Super so wild. Fun. <laughs> that is wild. Oh yes. my god. Uh, and this is a kind kind of an aside, a side note, but there but there are mentions, different mentions of it in this. This is the same Queen Elizabeth the first period. Um, ladies often gave their favorite knights a piece of gingerbread for good luck in a tournament. What happened to the flowers? Like what to the giving roses? I don't know. Gingerbread was real pop. Maybe it gives you gives you settles your stomach if you're a little nervous. Yeah. You're a knight, you're gonna go into you know, yeah. into battle. I don't know. I wanna see that movie uh-huh. where instead of the roses Here's it's the gingerbread. Yeah. Please take yes. this to settle your stomach before. Uh, you and get this. Food writer Michael Crondall pointed to ancient Roman men who would eat anatomically correct honey cakes to stimulate their sexual appetites. <laughs> oh my god. So I'm throwing it way back to ancient again, but I'm <laughs> and it's honey cakes, not gingerbread, yeah. but there's very There's funny. some precedent for an anatomically correct shaped cookie that, so um, that one might eat. So uh, where do we go from here? Right? How did it become associated with Christmas? Because really right. everything I've talked about so far is that it's very popular. Yeah, but fairs. where does it get that Christmas specific? Yeah. yeah. So the best answer that we have is, again, from that little um, my little food historian. He wrote... Um, Michael Crondall, he wrote Sweet Invention, A History of Dessert. Again, that's Great. super yeah. fun, yeah. right? He says that popularity as a holiday treat, it has something to do with our belief that spices heated you up in the winter. And so those flavors, it's kind of like a chicken and an egg thing because yeah. I, those flavors I so associate with the holidays, but I don't know if it's, if they are intrinsic, they taste like the holidays because I know that they are are holiday-ish you know so if I'm right. eating like cloves or cinnamon and it's not Christmas I still might think yeah. of them as a Christmas flavor well I think um, we need to do yeah. um, a spice episode eventually and I think yes. also what's 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 interesting to note and I kind of touched on this is that we have to remember that like not everyone had everything available all the time like we do now definitely so around the holiday season you might have had money saved up so to get some now, sugar so you yes. get some molasses yeah and, now you can yeah. afford those spices which you might not have ordinarily been able to and that is that's a definitely huge true. way the tradition and and things like that you know, absolutely because absolutely. of wealth and money and power and oh yeah all of that well and that's why people were making basically a thing with breadcrumbs exactly <laughs> and, and yeah uh pay, pay making a paste essentially <laughs> and Aww. eating it um for not even flour yeah. or eggs um but but yeah so so there was the belief though that spices were warmer interesting you know? I mean, and so yeah, then yeah you associated that with it too and so it became um i definitely agree with, with your point too that it's it has to do with what is available at the time. And yeah. so especially if you were going to have treat yourself at Christmas, you treat might yourself. make yeah. a batch of gingerbread men. And they did have by then the the, the icing as well and the, or the gold leafing. Yeah, um, so the decorations those were in general. Extra mm-hmm. special too. And they would have, um, obviously also to uh, Germany, I, I think it has such a um, history involving, yeah. you know, gingerbread. Which is mostly, I think, because of what I'm about to talk about, which is 
gingerbread houses. Yes. I was hoping right. you were going to get some gingerbread houses. So really, I think gingerbread becomes most closely associated with Christmas because of gingerbread houses. So then it, you can you can you can kind of then lump all the rest of the stuff over right. into you know there's nothing really Christmassy about a gingerbread man other than that we make him and he doesn't mm-hmm. have a Santa hat you know so, <laughs> right. so if you just make it and you could make it in <laughs> June and it you know but um, but it really comes from okay so gingerbread houses that would be the 16th century in Germany where they would have elaborately decorated cookie walled houses and that just became associated with Christmas traditions. The Germans brought it to North America where it did catch on much more than in England. So we love gingerbread houses more than they ever did in England. Um, and here's the a weird discrepancy is that they just said 16th century Germany, but they also say that it got really, it became a thing because of the Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, I was the story. I was thinking that. Yes. Brothers Grimm, which is German. Yeah. Um, which is the 19th century. Hmm. So if it was a folktale before that, before before they wrote it down, maybe that's kind of where it came from. But Hansel and Gretel, as we know, they discover a house in the forest, deep in the forest, made entirely of treats. It is historically unclear which came first, the houses or the fairy tale. Hmm. So that's kind of where we have that discrepancy because if you note, that's like 300 years, right? Yeah, From the 16th to the 19th centuries, you know, where are they coming from? However, there is no denying that gingerbread is an art form in Germany. Um, there's actually several cities in Germany where it's considered a legit art form, as well as some places in Poland, Russia, Hungary, and the Czech Republic, and in France as well, where gingerbread gingerbread baking guilds are sanctioned by the government starting in the middle ages what so it is a legit craft right a guild Uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh yep yep you can be a you know professional fantastic gingerbread builder yep um find your calling (laughs) you can and so um there are definitely notes on on the the development of this but if you think about Hansel and Gretel and you think about Germany and you think about all the even like gingerbread detailing on houses and it's it's it, yeah. very much yeah. associated with that culture. Yep. That mm-hmm. leads to my second reality show idea. <laughs> <laughs> they have like cupcake mat wars and stuff. Why not? Gingerbread, why not? Gingerbread house masters where they do like castles and stuff. That would be amazing. I would watch that so hard. Oh my so gosh. actually as a side note, and I, I, I don't have any dates or specifics on this, but they did make the, the Guinness Book of Records gingerbread house <gasps> is actually so big. It was somewhere in Texas and it's actually so big that it was pretty much the size of a house. What? Of a, of a house just oh. with gingerbread walls. That is crazy. So you can look that up. I'm sure there's a good picture yeah. of that. And don't you, you guys do gingerbread houses, your family does, right? We did for the first time last year. I mean, mm. we always did when we were little kind of, um, yeah. I remember when I was little, I'd make them around the milk carton. You'd have your little individual size huh. milk carton and you, that way it had, it was, um, yeah. Wouldn't fall over, yeah. and um, but we did them. We did them last year. I decided that I was going to start a tradition, <laughs> and um, it ended up being you know my I sort of forced all of my brothers to participate. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, we had a bottle of the good sorts of candy, but yeah, um, it was a lot of work. And then you kind of just look at it. So then yeah. we sat at our house. Yeah, you don't eat it. Like, oh, okay, and then guess you can throw them away. But um, um, that was kind of sad. So I'll, I assume it would be fun to do it again. But. Um, yeah. I don't know. I might just invite them over and maybe we make gingerbread men. Maybe <laughs> well, we do the men. So I um, worked at the Elf on the Shelf, as we mentioned, in the Rituals of Light. And yeah. my second year there, um, the building we were in decided to have a gingerbread competition, like the actual office building. Oh, cool. So we can't be a Christmas company 
and not participate and not in that. Win the no. gingerbread <laughs> competition. That became my life for like a week. Wow. Like, you know, I like, didn't know this. Yes. No. I, I was consumed because I was the junior. Like I was like the, the baby designer at the time. Um, I was a youngin. So, of course, you're going to give that task over to me. And so, so you had um, to come up with the recipe? Well, no. Or like oh, no, you no. could perfect the cookies? Well, it really, they didn't have a lot of stipulations around it, except that it, everything had to be food. So, um, I mean, we uh, had a lot of helpers, and um, our CEO kind of charged us, like, don't embarrass us. And this know, was a gingerbread like, house? Yeah, yeah. Ginger- okay. Well, it could be a gingerbread structure. So, we ended up doing Santa's log cabin. Um, and having like coconut snow and oh, that's cute. All, I mean, it was it was a thing. It was it was robust. We did not win. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, uh, we got second place though. Well, the, the winners did the actual building that oh. we were in. So yeah, of course you're gonna well, win if you're gonna do the actual. Okay. And it was like a really it was like a um a skyscraper. So it's that really tall building it's a hard in Cumberland. To, to yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that. <laughs> Can you imagine though? Can I just point out that that was your job? Yes. For a week. Yeah, that, that was is literally fun. what I did to get paid as an bread <laughs> house. Um, and then the ants came. Oh, I believe we're that. in Georgia. And, and it uh, probably wasn't that cold out. So. Yeah. And then my other side note that I have that, I, that I'll be done um, is that my mom and I made a, made a Starbucks gingerbread because they sold. Oh, like a, yeah. yeah. I remember when you they yes. sold a okay. pack of it. And, and you can make all that yeah, look, yeah. All kit. and it had yeah it was a kit and it was really fun and i remember That's um really the boys cute. went off to the shooting range i think i don't remember what they did but Christmas all the tradition boys, well my mom and i were like well we're gonna do now and so we we're like let's make the starbucks house so it was kind of like she and i did it together and That's it was really, really nice yeah well when we did ours last year we i did buy some kits because yeah. I, I didn't want it to be. I, yeah, I, we actually buys- kind of skipped that part. Because mm-hmm. the thing about the gingerbread is if you make all the gingerbread, you have to cut the things, you could break, and then you're having to go back and do more. And I don't like rolling out all the dough, so I did just do the little kits. And my parents did one that was shaped like a little camper. Um, we had little small ones so that if you didn't want to commit to like a big house, you could do a little <laughs> small house. And it was nice for the... Yeah. My brothers all in um, Ben. Yeah, we, they all did a good job of participating. Yeah. Um, so... Only other note I had about gingerbread houses is that um, Americans shaped theirs like kings. Or, um, or excuse me, this would be gingerbread like men. <laughs> Going back to men, gingerbread uh, men, they shaped theirs like kings pre-revolution, but eagles post-revolution. What? So she switched up the, the, uh, the shape there. And then that the first American cookbook, American Cookery by Amelia Simmons, contains three types of gingerbread recipes, <gasps> including the soft-baked in loaves as... Um, so as well as like the cookie variety yeah so it actually has been a thing from the start we really like our gingerbread that's so interesting yeah um look that up so much so that we have i guess the soft loaf is sometimes referred it's sometimes called the gingerbread lafayette and that comes from president washington's mom Mm. whipped up a loaf for the marquis de lafayette when he visited as a dignitary so wow. we have our own little dignitary story <laughs> and we make gingerbread Lafayette. And so that's become, it's, it's associated with President Washington and his yeah. mother because of that. I had never heard of gingerbread Lafayette, but apparently it's a thing. Man, what an old and long origin. Yeah. That's a yeah. great one. Yeah. It was really, really fun to research and it definitely made me want to make some gingerbread. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to, but maybe by the time this episode comes <laughs> out, I will have it. had a chance to make some <laughs> gingerbread. And hopefully you all are inspired to go and make a little batch of gingerbread men and 
maybe decorate yeah. a house send us your pictures of gingerbread and we'll feature mm-hmm. we'll put them up or, oh yeah, yeah that would be awesome yeah we'll put them on the yeah. website um if you and guys you can even stuff. maybe send us a picture of your gingerbread uh house in front of your christmas tree that has yes, candles candy. on it <laughs> with candy canes yeah and then we will know you're a true uh um origins of yeah. fan but don't <laughs> don't take a picture of a candy cane and send it to us that's not fun just just the gingerbread house unless you made it yourself yeah if you if you can make a candy cane uh or if you have a special type or you're involved in some way um yeah or let us know yeah and we'll we're, we'll still shout out that if you didn't listen to our rituals of light um if you still put candles on your tree please write oh, yeah in, write we're in very and tell interested us. in that or if you do, if you're one of those hipsters and you decided that you're gonna bring it back and you <laughs> feel strongly about it you can tell us that too um but yeah so hopefully you guys are feeling in the holiday mood um with this episode today and we hope that you have a great holiday season yep thanks guys To support our passion project, please head over to patreon.com slash the origins of podcast. We'd really appreciate your help. This episode was created in Atlanta, Georgia by Johnny Stubbs. Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com or check out our Instagram and Facebook at the Origins of Podcast.